Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen and amen across our campuses. Merry Christmas for like the 500th time, but tell someone next to you again, say, you look good, Merry Christmas. Even if you're lying, tell them Merry Christmas, you look good. (laughs) Whether you're gathering in one of our campuses or at 12 Stone Home, we're so glad that you're with us. And I want to start with a question. What is your favorite Christmas song? Get it in your head now. Start thinking about it. Maybe you're Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or White Christmas or Oh Holy Night. We already sung that one. Uh, Maybe you're Mariah Carey. Get it in your head right now. I know kids, you're in the room. Get ready. We're going to invite you to scream out your favorite Christmas song when I count to three. So get it in your head. Kids, you're allowed to yell in church this one time, all right? Here we go. Favorite Christmas song. One, two, three. All great answers, unless you said the song Christmas Shoes, in which case, you're wrong. It's the worst song ever. It makes me cry at Christmas. That's not what I'm looking for. Now, this song that I want to talk about is not my favorite song, but it's a classic. How many have ever heard the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town? Kiddos, hopefully you know it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a good old-fashioned Christmas carol sing-along, and I want you to sing out here across the campuses, close at home, loud and proud, even if your voice is terrible. There's grace on Christmas, all right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing it together. The lyrics will be on the screen. Richard and Cam, you're going to help me with that, right? You don't want to just hear me sing. You want to hear some good voices. So help us get into that sort of Christmas vibe, and we'll sing along with you. That's pretty. You better watch out. Come on. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling Tell you why. why. Santa Claus is coming to town. There we go. Verse 2. Come on, sing. He's making a list, he's checking it twice, he's gonna find out who's naughty or nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. All right, last line, one more time, big finish, here we go, all direct. Santa Claus is coming Now, why are we singing that song in church on Christmas Eve? Because that last verse says something to us. Because listen, we live in a world where sometimes we're naughty and sometimes we're nice. And you know on Christmas that Santa's keeping a list and he's checking it not once, but twice, right? You know how Christmas works. If you want Christmas morning to be awesome, you better be on the right list. So I want to just curious with the kids, be honest If you're in elementary school here across the campuses, I want to see a show of hands. At any point this year, elementary kids, have you ever been nice? Hand up if you've been nice at all this year. Hopefully or else tomorrow's not going to be fun, all right? Now, kids, how many of you have ever been naughty this year? Your parents know if you're lying. Hands up. All right, I see some liars. You need to take a minute. Santa's watching and... Checking that twice. Parents, now, here's we're going to flip the tables. Kids, you get to watch your parents see if they're lying. Parents, how many of you this year have ever been nice at any point? All right, good. Hopefully, your hand's up at some point. How many of you this year, parents, kids, watch, watch your parents, have ever been naughty this year? 
Don't make it weird. Like Santa, naughty. Stop. You're weird. Bah humbug. All right. What are we doing here? This is sort of, you, you can't have Christmas without wrestling down this conversation. Like, am I naughty? Am I, am I nice? What, what list am I on? And we know Santa has a list, but the question is, does God have a list? And if he did, which one would you be on? So you, you have to wrestle down questions like this at Christmas. In fact, this is the reason that Christmas still matters. Because there, there's a reality that between you and God, there's this whole thought that, that how, here's the question, how do you get off the naughty list and onto the nice list? Like if God had a list, how do you get off the naughty list and on to the nice list? And, and I know that question feels elementary and almost a little cheesy. So I want to take a time out and I want us to just sit in some theology and some scripture to help us realize the gravity and how meaningful this question actually is. In fact, just a few minutes ago, our kids so eloquently and flawlessly and perfectly told us the Luke 2 Christmas story. And I want to pull out just one verse from that just to start laying the theological foundation behind this question. Here's what it says. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Because today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. See, why is Christmas good news? Because Jesus has come. Jesus is here. Why is there great joy? Because now God can take people who deserve to be on the naughty list and put them on the nice list. There's no greater joy. And in the only other gospel account of the Christmas story, in Matthew chapter 1, another angel shows up and talks to Joseph. And here's what that angel says. He says to Joseph, she, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. See, why, why did Jesus come? He said, listen, name him Jesus because now God is with us. He's Emmanuel. God stepped out of heaven, put on human flesh, and now is in the form of a, of a baby. And the good news of Christmas is that Jesus came to save people from their sins. See, Christmas is not just a manger scene and an advent calendar and Christmas songs. It is, the, it is the embodiment of God's love for us that he would come to save us from our sins. So, so you can't even begin to understand the Christmas story until you realize that we are all on the naughty list and only Jesus can get us off of it. So I want to tell you, I want to tell you what we're doing tonight and who I'm talking to. I want to talk first, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, however you want to label that, but you walk with Jesus. Tonight is a celebration of Christmas. We celebrate, we recognize, we thank God for all that he's done by sending Jesus. That you know that, that Jesus changed your list and changed your life and you found forgiveness. But listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, spiritually unresolved, you're seeking, you've got questions, you may even doubt, and you showed up tonight. Maybe because grandma drug you here, or it's tradition, or it's Christmas Eve, I got to do the church thing. I don't know how you got here or why. We are bending the entirety of tonight for you. See, we, we believe that there is a God who loves you, and Christmas is the story of the lengths he went to get you back to himself. And we're bowing everything we're doing tonight for a moment at the end where you get to make the decision what will you do with the invitation, the offer of Jesus, the good news of Christmas? And everything we're doing is bowing to that tonight. 
So if you don't know the meaning of Christmas, allow me to unpack this with you. See, I'm a simple man. You'll get to know this about me. I'm very simple, and sometimes I need a, a simple picture or metaphor to help me unpack and understand things that are very complicated and weighty. And so today I have with me a scale. And I got a friend I want to invite out. Travis, would you come out and help me with this? Help welcome Travis, would you please? Thank well, you for being thank here. You. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Got the Christmas sweater on. I yeah, like it. Apparently nothing says Christmas like a gray sweater, I guess. Well yeah, done. Well, good. well done. Or a light blue one. Yeah. Or a light blue. Yeah, We're yeah. very yeah. sort of Christmassy. <laughs> so we got a scale here. And uh, yeah. Travis, you know how scales work, obviously, uh, right? Sadly. Is that a weight joke? No, it's okay, not. Wanna, all right. It's yeah, not. I don't have a great relationship with scales. So nice. All right, so I'm going to ask they're you. They're pretty to, insulting to me, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Okay. I want to ask you to face your greatest fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, here's the reality. I want to play out a picture of sort of what the naughty list and the nice list sort of looks like, yep. right? We know yep. the song. It's making a list, checking it twice, coming out of naughty and nice. And so this sort of represents how that works. Mm -hmm. And this is the naughty list yep. side. That's the nice list side. Right. I, I told you we got these little weights inside of here to represent sort of how it plays out, at least when I was a kid, how this whole thing totally. played out. Because totally. on Christmas, if you're on the naughty list, you wake up and you get coal. Bad news. If you wake up on the nice list on Christmas... You get Nintendos. You, yes, Nintendos for, me. for yeah. you. And other things, hopefully, uh, <laughs> that aren't from the 90s and early 2000s. Don't so uh, here's how it'll play out, at least for me when I was a kid. So life's good. I'm playing with my brother. It's December 5th. I don't know. Sure. And, and my brother starts... Getting out of line, I smack him upside the head. Totally. Santa saw that, yeah, well. and my weight on the naughty list side is in trouble because now I've, I, I've put myself yep. on the naughty list. Cole. Yep. Cole for me. So now what do we have to do? Offset. I'm on the, I got to offset it. So what do I do? Maybe, maybe I go share a toy with my brother. Santa sees it. Yep. Things start to balance out. But then, Travis, here's the problem. You lied to your mom. Well, I Mrs. Mean, Billman, theoretically, how could you do that? Theoretically, but yes, I lied on that. <laughs> you lied to your mom, and then maybe you, you, you mouthed off to your dad. Oh, no, it gets geez. worse, Travis. Oh, you get come worse. On. You I'm lied a real to your dad. You. Okay. And now it's like a week before Christmas. Yeah. You're in trouble. And, I, so. and honestly, if I'm being honest, I also set fire to some baseball cards in the basement. Okay, well Can done. We just, I'm just got to we gotta, we gotta, uh, uh, put it all out there. A pyromaniac streak. <laughs> Travis, yeah. you're yeah. for sure getting cold. Right. Uh, so we yeah. got to make this right. Yeah. So, so maybe you do some chores without being asked. Sure. Yep, yep. You tell your mom you love her. Yep, I compliment her perm. Her perm, yep. good perm yep. mom. Yep. Well done. Yeah. And then you, it's, it's like now, now you're starting to balance yeah, out. And it's it the is. night before Christmas, Nintendo. and you don't know, it's a toss up. So now you, I don't know, you oh. give your brother your yeah. favorite toy done. from last Christmas. Yes. Yep. And boom, you've Nintendo. slid into home plate for your Nintendo on Christmas morning. And in some ways, this is how the naughty nice list works, right? Like, like you gotta just make sure you do enough of the good. To make it work. So why am I teaching something so elementary? Because in 2020, Barna did a poll. And he polled Christians, religious people, people who say they follow Jesus. And 48% of them think, believe, that this is how God works. That this sort of, I got to balance my bad stuff with my good stuff. That's the picture they have of God. When they close their eyes and think, what is, my, what is it that God wants from me? <laughs> that they believe that this is what God's looking for, that you and I have to pacify God's anger by just sort of balancing out and just doing one more good thing than bad thing. And here's what's dangerous. Listen, maybe you've never seen this before. Here's what's so dangerous when we apply the Santa's list logic to God. It's a, it's a dangerous way to live, and it plays out maybe, maybe like this, Travis. Help me with this one. Like, like maybe you've been in a place where you're like, 
Today's the day. I'm not going to lose my temper on my kids. I'm not going to scream again. I'm going to keep it under control. And then it happens, and you lose your temper. And you start screaming. You're like, oh, God saw that, obviously. i got to make it right. I'm going to go in the other room, and I'm going to sing some worship songs. Lord, I lift your name. You're like, God, you oh, see this? Yeah. God, you see that? That was from the 90s. You really see that, right, God? <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I'm balanced out again. And then the problem is life continues on. You go, man, I'm not going to look at that online anymore. I'm done with that website. And you do it again. And you know that even if no one else saw it, God did and now you're indebted to God. You're like, I better, I better grab my Bible. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture. You're like, God, do you see it? I'm spending some time with you. You see it, God? And I got to balance this whole thing out. And then you go, man, I'm not, I'm not going to drink like that again. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to consume that again and use that as an escape again. But you do. And it happens again. And you know God sees it. And you're like, well, I'm going to go do something kind for some stranger today. And do like a good deed out there. And give, give, give someone five bucks or pay for their coffee. You're like, God, did you, did you see it? And then you're like, man, I'm, I'm not going to use my credit card as therapy anymore. I'm not going to buy stuff I can't afford to try to fill a hole in me that, 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 that nothing can fill. And I'm not going to do that with my credit card again. Then you do. And now you're like, God, you saw that too. And now i got to make it up to God again. And so, I don't know, I'll throw 50 bucks into the church pockets or I'll put something into charity and maybe God sort of... And this is the best picture we can muster for God sometimes. It's a scary thought that, that this is what God's looking for from us. And that actually might work if what we were doing was just naughty and nice. <laughs> but what Santa calls naughty... God calls sinful. It's not just something naughty you did. Your problem's not naughty things. You and my problem is sinful things. In fact, this is how the Bible sort of unpacks this idea of sin. Here's what we really carry before God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who is that? All of y'all. Me too. Secondly, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You're lying to yourself if you think you've not done anything wrong. For the wages of sin is death. This went from bad to worse. It's not just naughty, it's deadly. And then just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. There's a weight here that's not a naughty, nice, childlike sort of elementary thought. There's a weight of sin that I think we miss sometimes. And, and many of us think that the good news of Christmas is that there is no scale and God doesn't weigh us. But the reality is there is a scale. You and I have already been weighed and we are on the naughty list. There's nothing we can do about it. In fact, here's, here's what sin really looks like. Sin's not some little dumbbell that can make the scale just tip one way or the other. Sin looks like this. And sin is heavier than we can ever realize. We don't, we don't realize the fact that, listen, I'll say it simply, sin outweighs you. Travis, we could pile every weight in the bucket over there, and we can't counteract, can't counterbalance the weight of sin in our life. Sin outweighs you, and I, no matter how many good things you do, you cannot balance out the weight of sin. And you're sitting there going, I thought Christmas was supposed to be good news. <laughs> This sounds quite pessimistic. The glass is half empty in every way, shape, and form. And it does start with bad news. But allow me to show you the good news of Christmas. And maybe you've heard this verse a hundred times in your life. And you've never really understood what it's saying. In John 3.16, it says this. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, that, that verse tells us this, that God sent Jesus to deal with the weight of our sin before God. See, can I show you a picture that maybe you've never seen? Here's the good news of Christmas. This is us. This is our standing between us and God. And then on Christmas, God sent Jesus in the form of a little baby to step out of heaven and to offer to step onto your scale. And the good news of Christmas is this, that listen, your sin outweighs you, but Jesus outweighs your sin. This is the good news of Christmas. And maybe you've never seen that picture before, but the reality of Christmas is that Jesus outweighs your sin. Here's just a couple verses that talk about the fact that Jesus didn't just stay a baby. He grew up, and here's what he did for us on the cross. For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the, the righteous for the unrighteous. That's Jesus being perfect for us who are imperfect, to bring you to God, to bring you back to God. The God of the universe wants a relationship with you. He sees your scale. He knows the weight of your sin. He knows all the bad you've done. And he sent Jesus because he wants to bring you back to himself. And then Jesus, he bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. See, that's the good news of Christmas is that Jesus willingly will step on your scale or my scale and his goodness outweighs your sinfulness. And there's no amount of good you can put on the scale that will balance out the weight of your sins. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Why? Because Jesus is the only one with enough weight and gravity to carry the weight of your sins. The only one who never sinned stepped onto the cross and took the punishment for those of us who have sinned in order to forgive you of your sins. See, that's the beauty of Christmas. And I could take this teaching and apply it a hundred different ways. Why? Because all of us have a hundred different ways that we try to make it on the nice list, make our way back to God through our own good deeds, through our own works, through our own actions. But I want to apply this just to two groups in two ways. And we, we say versions of this phrase, and I want to play it out for you. The phrase, listen, you don't know what I've done. Like, I know me. I know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. And this whole scale thing is cool but it doesn't apply to me. Like, listen, pastor, I know there's people that are bad, like four or five weight bad people. I know that. I know people like my neighbor's that guy. I'm sitting next to that, hopefully not. I'm sitting next to that person at Christmas Eve. I know bad people. And listen, I've done some stuff, but I've not done like real bad. You don't know what I've done. I've not done a lot of bad stuff. And in fact, I'm a pretty good person. Like I, I, I let people in in traffic. Atlanta needs more of them. I've let people in. And like, I'm a, I'm a good husband. Like, I, I, I'm selfless with my wife. I, I pay the bills. I take her out on dates. Like, I'm kind to her. I'm an, I'm an attentive father. I'm a good dad. I coach my kids sports. 
I'm religious, bro. Like, I come to church almost weekly. I'm in all the things. I've done the good stuff, and I'm a good person. You don't know what I've done. I've done good things, and I get how our mind can get there. The problem is you're not being compared to your neighbor or that guy on the news that's really bad. You're being compared to the perfection that God expects, and it doesn't take into account that no matter how many good things you do, the weight of your sin outweighs you. I don't care what, I don't need to know what you've done, for all have sinned. All of us, me too. Second way people use that statement, you don't know what I've done, is the opposite way. You say, this Christmas story is really pretty and beautiful and nostalgic, and it sounds so good. It's almost like a fairy tale, but you don't know what I've done. If you knew my internet search history, if you, if you knew the stuff that goes through my head about people, the hate and contempt I have, the unforgiveness, I, I, don't, I will never forgive that person. If you knew, if you knew the jokes that came out of my mouth when I'm with the guys, I, I, I'm, I'm not a great person. If you knew my past, if you knew what I did, you would know there's no way. There's a, this little baby in a major is a cool Christmas moment, but it's not for me. I've done too much. God doesn't want me anymore. And you begin to think that the people around you that don't want you anymore is how God feels about you. But the good news of Christmas is this. You don't know what I've done, Pastor. He would never take me back. The good news of Christmas is that your good deeds don't matter one bit. You have nothing to offer God that can counterbalance what you have done, because that's true. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus offers to put himself on your scale, that God sees you, but God weighs Jesus. And his goodness can overshadow and outweigh your sin and your mess and your past and the thoughts in your head and the depravity in your heart and the hatred you have. Jesus came to say, listen, you cannot fix this. Only I can fix this. See, the good news of Christmas is that Jesus stepped out of heaven and took on human flesh, lived perfectly, died in your place and says, listen, I will step on the scale of your life, but you have to invite me. You have to want this. So back to the question, how do you get off the naughty list and onto the nice list? This question is not a child's question. It's a question we all have to wrestle down. How do you account for your sin? And scripture doesn't tell you to go do a bunch of good things, go on a religious pursuit, Scripture tells you, listen, put down the weights and put your faith in Jesus. Stop playing the scale game and say, I, I can't impact the scale of my life. I've been weighed and measured and I come up short. And Romans 10 tells you this. Here's the good news. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In Matthew 2, it said Jesus came to save people from their sins. This is how he does it. You don't have to buy your way in, earn your way in. You bow your way in. 
You surrender your way in and you admit, God, I can't do it. And the beauty of this is all of this can happen in a moment. A moment just like we're going to have here in just a few minutes at the end. A moment where you surrender and say, Jesus, I can't do it, but I believe that you say who you said you were. And I believe that you not only died for my sins, you rose again so I can live with God forever. And there's no magic words or recipe I can say that's going to like make it all work. There's no magic words, but it it might have a prayer moment that sounds like, like this. Let me read this for you. God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and the weight of my sin is heavier than I can make right on my own. I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life and believe that Jesus died and rose again to take the weight of my sin. Please forgive me and make me whole again. My life is now yours. God is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's a prayer that we wrote. And in a minute, you get to decide if that will be a prayer that you offer to God. I don't know why you showed up today, but we believe that there are more among us than we could imagine who've played religious games, who've played scale games, trying to balance out your bad with your good, and you think, man, if I could just do enough good things, God will be okay with me. And the Spirit of God is preparing you for a moment. And in just a minute, we're going to offer you that invitation. But first, I want to introduce you to my friend Glenn. Glenn showed up to the exact same service you're in right now, Christmas 2021. A friend invited him, he showed up, and he did not know what to expect. But we had the same moment for him that we're about to have for you at the end of the service. And we have a moment together where you got a candle on your way in and we're going to light these candles and sing Silent Night, just a tradition we do around here on Christmas Eve. Beautiful moment. But last year we did the same thing we're doing this year. We're going to invite many among you before we get to Silent Night to take your white candle and bring it with you. You're going to come to the front. Your pastor is going to tell you what that's going to look like. and You're going to exchange your white candle for a red candle. And as we sing Silent Night, you're going to have this red candle in your hand signifying this is the day that I said yes to Jesus. I bowed my life. I trusted him for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm trusting him to deal with the weight of my sin. And we're going to celebrate that with you. But this moment that stands before you, you are not the first to sit in a service like this. You're not the first to show up not knowing what God's going to do and what to expect. I want you to listen into Glenn's story. And as you do, you begin to wrestle down the decision in front of you. What will you do with the invitation of Jesus? Listen to Glenn's story. I work for the Atlanta Falcons. I'm the assistant groundskeeper. So we got three outdoor fields and one indoor field. So this is our indoor uh, practice field. My wife was looking for a, a church. She would always ask me, hey, would you like to go? And I always said, I'm not ready yet. My coworker, who's also my, my boss, he goes to 12 Stone in Hamilton Mill. He carried himself a little different. He didn't, he didn't curse, he didn't swear, he didn't lose his temper. Religion may have come up. I told him, I don't think it's an appropriate conversation to have at work. So he respected that. But I'd always come back to him. You know, I saw this or I, I read that. 
But um, I think what really changed a part of it was when I told him, I said, you know, my wife and I have been here for, whew, since 2011. We've been here a long time. I mean, for a while. And we never really made any friends, like, outside of our workplace. So he invited, he invited us to his small group. Last year, Christmas Eve, there was a lot of people there, and, and we're just sitting there, and it was just, I don't know, my emotions started to get to me, and I just, I felt, I always kid with people, I'm like, I, I had a spiritual hug that, that, that night. I do remember after service, my wife and I, we went to go get some pizza. We're sitting there, and I'm like, I feel different. Went back to work, and my friend Lee, my boss, we sat down, we were having a conversation, because I had actually texted him at the pizzeria. I was like, dude, I wish you were here. I wish you were at church with me today. He goes, oh, I wish, you know, like, even he was like, oh, I wish I was there too. And then we started having that conversation at work. Hey, did you step forward? And I said, no, I, I was kind of, he's like, Glenn, you're there. I'm like, nah, I'm not there, come on. And he's like, no, you're there. I'm like, really? It's like, and then I, I, and that's when he told me about his prayers for me and his son's prayers for me. And I, then I just lost it. I joined the dad's group and I've never done anything like that before. I said, okay, I'm gonna give this a shot. Lee started coming to that dad's group with me and then you know, he spoke to me, because I said, I feel like I need to speak to Josh and see where I'm at here. This is, I, I can feel it. I was apologizing. I'm like, dude, you don't even know me. I'm crying in your office, and you're... <sighs> and you're helping me come to this over this year and being in group and, and learning how to read the Bible. And at that point, I was like, I just want to get to know Jesus. I want, I want, to, I want to do this. I was afraid of giving myself up. I think it would change who I was, but it didn't. It just enhanced who I was. story and to celebrate what Jesus does in the life of a man like that. You might be more like Glenn than you realize. What Glenn needed was a friend to say, dude, you're there. No, I'm not there. <laughs> you're there. Maybe what you need me to tell you is this. Listen, you're there. God brought you here to let you know that you're there. More importantly, he's here. Maybe God's awakened you to the true weight of your sin. It's a weighty thing. And if this picture is true, there's no amount of good you can do to fix what's broken you. But the good news of Christmas is that Jesus came and he can make you right again. In just a minute, pastors are going to step up across the campuses. 
They're going to invite you into this moment. For me, for so long, God was this religious ritual list of rules thing, and something kept drawing me back to him. I'll just be candid. It wasn't a baby in a manger. It was a king who stepped out of heaven, put on human flesh, died in my place, and he came to seek out those who were despised, the lowest of the low. In our context today, people who just can't seem to get it right. People who are a financial mess and you can't get it right. People who are on their second marriage and now you're back into another mess again. You're like, I can't get it right. People who use substances to get up or to get down and you just can't seem to get it right. People who, who search for meaning in the wrong places and they're left empty and hollow and you know there's got to be more. People who look religious but you know in your soul you've never said yes and surrendered your life to Jesus. He came for people like that and that kind of people is me found me in my mess. He forgave me. He made me whole again. And I really just want you to know him. Here's what I want to do across the campuses. Everyone stand up and get your white candle in your hand. And before we get to silent night, for many of you, this needs to be the night that you say yes to Jesus. You might need a moment like Glenn had where you say, God, the Spirit of God is drawing me in. I feel the weight of conviction. I feel the weight of my sin. I know I can't fix it. But God has awakened you equally to the weight of Jesus that he can outweigh your sin. And your response is to simply bow and offer a prayer like the one we're going to put up on the screen. is going to stay up there and your pastors are going to step up. And they're going to tell you what that's going to look like. They're going to say, listen, I want you to move out of your rows, begin to move to the front. You're like, I'm sitting in the middle of my row. I can't. Yes, you can. We always make room for Glenn. You might be sitting in overflow going, I don't, I'm not going to go all the way. Yes, you can. You have all the excuses why not to come, but, but you know the spirit of God's drawing you. You make your, you're going to make your way out, come to the front. You're going to change your white candle for a red candle. You're going to offer this prayer. And today is truly a Merry Christmas for the first time for you. See, the invitation of God is for anybody. The down and outs, the religious, the people that look better on the outside than they're living. Parents, you're going to be tempted to say, this is a cool moment for my kids. All the while, men, you know the Spirit of God's drawing you. This isn't a cool family picture for you and your kids on Christmas. This is the Spirit of God saying, you, I want to rescue you. I want you to come back to me. So you're going to make a decision right now before your pastor ever steps up. You're going to decide right now. As soon as he says go, I'm the first to move. I just want to know Jesus. If this is true, that's what I want. So pastors across the campuses, would you step up? David, 12 Stone Home, step up. And would you tell us the, the details of how this moment's going to play out? What will you do with the invitation of Jesus? Jesus. 
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.